Morning, folks. How are we doing? Wonderful. There's some wonderful, some good, some... Anyone feeling awesome this morning? Awesome. There's Clive. He's... You're always awesome. If you want some of Clive's awesomeness, just go up to him afterwards and say, Clive, touch me, give me some of your awesomeness. Uh, yeah, you're going to have a line of people now, bro. My name's Sam. I'm one of the pastors along with uh, Paul that is a privilege to help pastor, help this man lead this church. He does a phenomenal job and it's a privilege to be part of this team. Um, it's great, isn't it? It just feels like just watching the video, watching our stripy sisters uh, sharing those church news. It's just wonderful. It just feels like, I didn't think it was that funny, but that's fine. Um, I'm liking this, come on. It, it just feels like God, God's moving among us, isn't it? You feel it. You can feel it. If, you, if you're new to church, welcome. If you've been part of this fabric of this church since the, the day it started, then welcome. This is where he is. This is where God is. This is where God is. And it's wonderful to hear him speaking to us already wants to share with us later about how he's going to set people free from shame and guilt. Bonnie and Pete came forward with what I understand is very similar words. And in my notes towards the end, I feel like it might complement with where they want to go with this. And I just want us to have our ears open, our hearts open, our minds receptive, everything open to what God might want to do here. This isn't just like last Sunday. It's a brand new day, with brand new mercy, brand new grace. His love is limitless and endless. It's outrageous, his love for us. I believe that some people are going to meet with him for the first time, maybe this morning. For others, I feel that there's there's folk here that are almost ready to give up. And I feel like this is going to be a moment of change this morning where God's going to tsunami you with his love, if I can use that in an appropriate way. He's going to saturate you with his love again. Okay, the, what I want to speak to you about this morning, we're not in a, in a series. I've got a standalone message, um, and I've loved preparing this one because it's felt almost effortless. Because I feel like it's God doing something in my heart. I feel like it's a word for us. I feel like it can help us in the season we're in. And I've entitled it Habitation. God is with us. When you just look at those words just for a moment. Do you remember a few months ago, actually, Bonnie, in our prayer meeting, you used this, you brought this word to us about visitation and habitation, and does God visit or does God come to live? And I felt reminded of that word as I was preparing for this, but this is how it got formulated. Um, I, Paul, Chloe, M, Stephen, Laurie, we went to something called the Elders and Wives Weekend for the new ground family of churches that we belong to, that we're part of. It was a great weekend, and it's in Ashford, at this kind of hotel-come-conference-centre. On the way there, me and them took a shortcut, which I thought was a shortcut. <laughs> Ended up, we went through Scarborough and Yorkshire. It was, it was a long journey. But we had loads of time to talk. Um, as we were going through these, these back roads in Ashford, 
we came to this T-junction and opposite was a farm. And on this farm, there was this huge blue rustic sign that just had the word habitation. And I remember driving thinking, weird, and then carried on. Didn't think any more of it until the first session of worship. First session of worship, I felt the Lord bring this sign back to my mind, habitation. And during this time, I felt the Lord begin to speak to me. It's the only way I can describe it. It wasn't audibly, it wasn't like this lightning bolt from heaven, but it was this impression that was growing and growing and growing. And this is what I felt, this is what I sensed, so this is what I wrote down. And I believe it's a word, not only for me, but it's a truth for us. It's a theological truth that I want us to grasp this morning. Do I, or do we, look at, the, look at God as one who lives with us, habitation, or one that just drops in from time to time, visitation? That's what I found myself writing. It's apparent that there's two ways to look at this. The God who visits, or the God who purposely, permanently comes to live with us. Think about it for a moment. How do you think? Just even close your eyes. How do you think? What, what do you think God is like? How do you think about God? We're just waiting here for you. We're just going to wait. I'm not going to move until you show up. I'm not going to move until you do something. We're just going to wait. Or, God, you're always here. God, you are always present. God, your word tells me that you will never leave me nor forsake me. You see, I believe God wants to speak to us afresh this morning. I believe God wants to speak to us in the season that we're in and remind us that he isn't an occasional God. He isn't just an occasional guest, a passing deity, a dad that drops in from time to time. Many of you have had that sort of dad, a weekend father, an occasional guest. He isn't a passing help. He isn't a friend that just pops in. He's an ever-present help. That's what Scripture tells us. God is an ever-present help. That word ever-present means ever-present. In time of trouble, he's steadfast and faithful. He's a steadfast and faithful God. He is a steadfast and faithful friend. He is steadfast and faithful in his love. One that's always there. But more personally than this, he is a permanently and committed, live-in, perfect father. Isn't that incredible? He's with you as a father. He doesn't just occasionally show up. He's always there. So, how we look at God and what you believe about God will actually define and determine how you live for him. Do you understand what I'm saying? What you think about him will define how you live for him. So, I'm going to present you two scriptures this morning. One from John's Gospel and one from Ephesians. These are verses that I felt come to my mind, my heart, if you like, and help me shape this message. So we're going to go on a journey today. We're going to camp out. We're going to, I'm going to use these verses as a springboard. So if you have a Bible, if you turn to John 14, if you don't, don't worry, because the verses will come up behind me on the screen. Firstly, John. This is John's gospel, the follower of Jesus, a friend of Jesus, one of his crew. 
and he is writing about what Jesus said. These are Jesus' own words. Verse 14, sorry, chapter 14, verse 15 to 18. It says, if you love me, check this out. This is Jesus. Imagine him speaking to you. If you love me, you'll keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. This is the dialogue about the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus talking to his earliest followers about there's a day coming when the Spirit's going to come. And I'm going to ask him and he'll send another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But I love this. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is speaking about a day that's coming that we're enjoying today. You know him. Anna and Nick, you know him. Because he dwells with you, and he will be in you, and he is in you. Now, can we flip it to Ephesians? This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, chapter 2, verse 19, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with, with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now listen to this. In whom the whole gig... The whole structure is joined and it grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You know him for he lives in you. And in him, you're being joined together to become the dwelling place of God by the Spirit. Let's just pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can call you Dad. Thank you that we can call you Father. Thank you because of your Son, we can now have access to this wonderful Father. I pray that you'd illuminate things in our hearts today. I pray that you'd illuminate truth in our hearts. Holy Spirit, Thank you that you come to lead and guide us into all truth. Please reveal Jesus in deeper ways. Amen. So I want to ask you again, what is your mindset like? Visitation, oh God, please visit us again. Or habitation, man, God, you're with me. You're never going to leave me as each will define how we live. I've looked up these words, visitation and habitation, and check this out. This is just from the dictionary, but it will help give us a word picture. It will help blow things up in our minds. Visitation speaks about just dropping by, an occasional call or visit, but someone that doesn't stay. Or it is known as a visiting reward or punishment from heaven. Is that how you look at God? The occasional visitation as a reward, well done, Pete, or whack, silly Pete. Is that how you think about your God? 
the occasional reward, the occasional punishment. Another one is the appearance of a divine or supernatural being, boom, but then gone again. Habitation, this is what it speaks about, living in a particular place. I love that. If we think about God, the God of habitation, he lives in a particular place. Lives. He doesn't just rent a property. He's not just uh, passing through. He lives and he's made a home somewhere. It also says setting up a house. Anyone here like shopping? You, man, I'm going to pray for you guys. I love shopping. What's the matter with you? Or you might need to pray for me. Either way, I'm happy. One thing I love doing is going somewhere like Ikea and following the yellow brick road. When you just follow the yellow, just follow the arrow, sand. But I don't know which way to go. Just follow the arrows. But I look around and I go, man, that's going to look awesome in my house. Oh, look at that vase. Look at the color. It's so different. I've got a picture of a multicolored giraffe on my wall, and I've called him Dean. <laughs> Dean, my multicolored friend. I love Dean. But the reason why I picked him is because I thought he'd look great in my house. I want you to understand that that's what God does. He sets up a home where he goes, John, you're going to look awesome in my house. And Jay, we need you in this house. And, oh man, Jim and Jackie, how long have you been in this house? You are pillars in this house. I've brought you in to my house because I want you in my house. I want you to understand that that's how God looks at us. Not that, oh, Clive Ross, oh, I didn't realize you crept into my house. No. I've picked you for my house. I've picked you to hang up on the walls to say, look at this trophy of grace. He makes his home. The same way as I love shopping, forgive me for that, adore it. M's away at the moment and it's dangerous because I'm loose. I, I found myself last night just wandering around Tesco's, genuinely. The big Tesco's, up and down the aisles, like, look, lovely mugs, ooh. Lovely stationery. Oh, lovely. Loved it. Genuinely loved it. Felt relaxed, felt refreshed. Got home, recorded the voice. Boom, awesome night. Love shopping because what I can do is I can begin to choose things. That's what our Father God does. He just begins to choose people. I'm having you, I'm having you, I'm having you. It also speaks about dwelling place. Habitation, the meaning for habitation is dwelling place, the occupation of a dwelling, the residence, the tenancy, the home, the lodging. Love this one, the pad. We're God's pad. This is God's pad. I liked it. Visitation speaks about occasional visit. Just passing by, habitation speaks about taking up permanent residence. Okay, throughout Scripture we see how it's God's plan and God's desire to be with his people. To make a home, but not only to make a home, but to live right at the centre of his people. Although this is God's heart, the way this has been portrayed in the ages gone by in history is very different than the age we live in now. I want to explain this a little bit. So if we go to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, everything before God, that was awesome. See that light on, off. Sorry, I just say what I see at times. If we, if I just turn to Exodus, you don't need to. 
Let me just turn there for you, just to give you an insight into what happened. In Exodus, they were told to set up a tent, to set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And it says, then I would, God says, then once you've set this up, once you've established it all and done all these weird and wonderful things, then I will come to be with you and I will be your God. They will know me as their Lord, their God, the one who brought them out of Egypt, that I might dwell among my people. So under the old covenant, there were ways people met with God. But it was very limited access. I want you to grasp this, friend, because it will, it will help you understand, wow, the privilege that we stand in today. Under the old covenant, there was limited access. God's people would make something, put up a tent, erect a tent, and within the tent, there would be an ark called the Ark of the Covenant. Within the ark was God's presence. This is where God's presence dwelt. No one could touch it. Only certain people could come into one section of the tabernacle, the priests, but only the high priest could come into the second section where the ark was. Once a year. Once a year. We have the privilege this morning, dressed quite normally, to come right into the presence of God. In the the ark is where God revealed himself. This is how he dwelt amongst his people. The tent the ark within the tent, the tent was surrounded by Israel. They camped around the tent. Hence saying, God, you are central to us. You are central to everything we're about. Only certain people were allowed to go in, the priests, the high priests. What they would do is they would represent the people to God and God to the people, if you understand that. As well within this tent, there were only certain places, like I've said, certain sections not, not so now. There aren't only certain sections that Paul can go, and then I can go, and then, and then, no, no, no. We are equal priesthood of believers. All may come, but not then. In Hebrews, it talks about it. I won't turn to it for time, but look through Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9 and 10, it talks about how, how the priests would come time and time again to offer their sacrifices that would never take away sin, but they would come time after time, day after day, performing the same sacrifices for the sins of the people. So that was the function of the tabernacle. The interesting point is the meaning of tabernacle is habitation. The meaning of tabernacle is habitation. What God wants us to know, what God wanted them to know, is I've come to make my habitation with you, to dwell with you. Not to pass in and out, but to dwell. What God wants us to know in this new covenant is he's come to tabernacle with us, to camp. I'm not going to do a plug for Ashburnham, but get there. It's going to be awesome. Also, God's presence would come upon particular people for particular times back then. So, in the Old Covenant, it said the Spirit of the Lord came upon Zechariah. The Spirit of the Lord came upon or fell upon David. The Spirit of the Lord fell upon Gideon. Sorry, I haven't looked at you guys much. Sorry, I've focused in that way. You look lovely. The Spirit of the Lord came upon certain people. These were particular people. Priests, high priests, prophets, judges, kings. And although God's presence was with them always, he was only really tangibly experienced by a select few. 
Then we get to the New Covenant, the New Testament. And I am going to read you something from Hebrews, actually, because this is incredible. This will put it in context, because he's talking about the old. Hebrews 10, verse 11 says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. This is under the old law, the old covenant. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, hear that? But when Jesus, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. You hear that? When this priest... When this Jesus offered one sacrifice for the sins of humanity, he is now sat down at the right hand of God saying it's done, it's finished. And now all may come in through Jesus. It's a completely new deal. Whereas before only one person could come in once a year to the most holy of holy places, where previously only the high priest, now John, a West Ham fan can come right into the, and that's, that's significant, can come right into the very holy of holy places where God's presence dwells. And not only can you come, not once a year, but you have unlimited, unbroken, 24-7 access. I might start this whole thing again. Through the completed work of Christ at the cross, he was executed for our sin he was killed for our sin he was buried he rose on the third day for our salvation and through this finished work humanity can come into the most holy of holy places not only that it says that we can come confidently we can come boldly not just like i i'm just slipping behind kev's slipstream no no i say Here I am, Daddy. I'm coming in because of Jesus. There's the confidence. It says, I come to the throne full of confidence. Full of boldness. And I can be confident. Not this, oh, how is he going to find me? I'm like, hey, Dad. Hey, Father. All because of Jesus. Wonderful. But not only that... Not only can we come to him, much more amazing than that, he comes to you. He comes to us. He comes here. God has come to make his permanent home with us. So in John it says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In Ephesians we read, you're being joined together to become the dwelling where God lives by his spirit. I'm coming to you. That's what he wants you to know. Every day, I've come to you. Every moment of everything you've faced, I'm with you. I've come to you. My tent pegs are firmly nailed eternally with you. We now live in a completely new era, a new age, a new covenant, the age of the Spirit because of the finished work of Christ at the cross. It's awesome. We're told in Scripture that the Spirit has been poured out for all to receive. There was this Old Testament prophet, a guy called Joel, that was speaking to the people saying, there's a day coming, hundreds of years from now, that God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. 
In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then hundreds of years on from that, the apostle Peter is standing at the day of Pentecost when the spirit had been poured out and everyone's going, what on earth are we seeing here? Why are these people full of joy and speaking in other languages? It's because the spirit had been poured out. He'd come to be with his people like Jesus had promised. The father and I are sending another. Wait, because you're going to get him. And then when they say, what are we hearing about this? Peter says, do you remember what Joel said? Hundreds of years ago, in these days, we're in these days where the Spirit has been poured out. People are going to be, begin to dream dreams. People are going to see visions. This is the age we live in, friend. The age of the Spirit. The age where Jesus promised when he was glorified, he would send the Spirit. Jesus is glorified. Massive tick. And we can now receive the Spirit. And we can live in the good of the Spirit. Where once it was just for particular people, he's now been poured out for all of us to enjoy. God has come to tabernacle, to live, to set up his pad, to make a home, habitation. God is with us. Why don't we say that just for a moment? Just say that God is with us. Come on. That's awesome. Now, God's nature has never changed. He's with us. He's everywhere present. Joshua, he said to Joshua, I'll be with you wherever you go. In Psalm 23, we read, David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God's with me. Then later on in in, uh, Psalm 139, David writes, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your presence? Nowhere. If I go there, you're there. If I go there, you're there. I cannot escape you. And then we read after Jesus had wonderfully been resurrected from death itself, he appears to his followers and he says, surely I'm with you always until the very end of the age. This is the promise. God's heart has always been to be with his people, to be ever present. But this is what I want us to grasp as well. But the way in which we tangibly experience him differs. This is going to be life-changing for some of you. I I want to be as bold to say that. Because we need to look at a term that we need to understand. God's manifest presence. We use this term in Christian circles. God's manifest presence. What does manifest mean? Listen to this. I'm I'm au fait with a dictionary. This is what manifest means. Clear or obvious to the eye or the mind. Or... An appearance or demonstration or evidence of proof or to show something clearly through signs and actions. Something that's easily noticed or obvious. To reveal or to display or to prove beyond doubt. Now, it's true to say that God is everywhere present all at the same time. We get this other theological concept called omnipresent, which means God is everywhere all at the same time blow your mind he's here and he's in China all at the same time but his manifest presence is different all over the world even in this room his manifest presence is different from life to life soul to soul person to person we need to understand this we need to become aware of the difference of his manifest presence he is habitating with us if that's the word 
made his home, but his manifest presence, the way we experience his presence will differ. Everywhere, but it's different. Right now, this morning, in this short time we've had, there'll be some that have experienced amazing things and others like, haven't felt a dicky bird. Now, what we've got to understand and be careful about is without acknowledging this, without acknowledging that he moves in different ways for different people because he knows exactly what we need, we will become passive. We'll become switched off. We can become disheartened, discouraged, disappointed. There's many of you here that are disappointed, maybe even disillusioned, because what you've done is you've seen someone full of joy giggling, and you've gone, all right. I don't think it's that joyful. Or you've judged them because you've gone, well, I'm not feeling that joy. So if I'm not feeling that joy, then joy cannot be present, which is a lie. Because God is joy. His presence is joy. And we will begin to externally judge people to say, well, what David is experiencing, I am not. So it cannot be a reality, which just isn't true. So you need to be aware. When we understand, when we have a heart of habitation that God's always here, we can live in peace. We can chill out. We can say, man, I know you're here. I know you're doing something in my life. I know you're going to do something in my brother's life. But we need to understand the way he moves is different. The mentality that expresses a visitation-style attitude is someone that just goes, I'm just sitting and waiting. I'm not going to move until God moves. I'm not going to experience that because I don't think I'm wired to experience that. I'm just going to wait for God to show up. We need to change our thinking and our expectation to begin to live with the understanding that God is everywhere present. Think right now, just for a moment, God is everywhere present. For some... This means that we'll experience him for an increase levels of joy. You'll experience these incredible levels of joy that you cannot describe, but you'll know it. For others, there'll be this deep and lasting peace. That's my, that's my story. I'm not someone that goes and shakes all over the place. Now, I'm not despising that, and I certainly am not going to go, God doesn't move with me like that, because that's dangerous. But I know for me, what God tends to do is, I just feel all warm and peaceful inside. And I know, God, you're with me. Because he knows what I need. Think about, how does he move with you, friend? How does his habitation in your heart move with you? For others, this tangible sense of love. For others, healing. For others, electricity. Love that story. We didn't even pray for the people to get healed. God heals them anyway. Because he's healer. Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. Not dependent on us. I'll say, I need to heal, but I need you to place your hand on someone. Oh, no, no, no. I'll just heal people. Whether they know me or not. Some of you might get healed this morning. Heart, mind, emotion. For others, just this sense of electricity or warmth or fire tingling for others confidence boldness assurance for others man you're my daddy you are my father 
the manifest presence of the Lord when he comes. He'll do whatever he wants to do in your heart. I need to move on. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to finish with a few more thoughts. Ask the band up and we're just going to enjoy him, okay? What I want us to see and understand from here and to live in the utter amazement is that together, together, look around, a couple of hundred people here. Together, we've become the eternal dwelling place of God. So what scripture tells us, Ephesians, Corinthians, together, the temple. We are the temple of the living God together. But equally as awesome and amazing, individually, you're the temple of God. Individually, wherever you go, you take the presence of God with you. So you cannot escape him, friend. Like Psalm 139 says, the one who knows you intimately, the one who wove you together in your mother's womb, knows you and is with you. So corporately, we're the temple of the living God, but individually as well. He doesn't just occasionally visit. He has set up permanent residence with us. Think about it. The God of the whole universe lives in me. The same spirit that rose my saviour from death lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. Why don't you say that? Thank you that you live in me. Thank you that you live in me. He's not just passing by. Thank him that I'm, he's not just passing by. Kev, he's not passing by, bro. He's with you. He's never going to leave you, nor forsake you. Some of you really need to hear this today. I know it's a simplistic message, but that was my heart. Some of you need to live in the reality. All of us need to live in the wonderful reality that God is ever present. And he will never, ever leave us. But it gets richer than this. He is with us as loving Father. Can I invite the band up? Tell you what we're going to do. When, when the band come up, we're going to set a bit of an atmosphere. There's nothing hooky spooky. We're not doing anything to hype anything up. But sometimes with a bit of music in the background, it helps. It helps just break it up a little bit. You've listened to my voice for long enough. So I want to be clear. There's nothing special about what Kev's about to play on the piano. But I'd like you to start padding something out, bro, if that's all right. This is where we're going to get all spiritual. But it's not hyping. God uses music. God is able to float deep truths into our hearts. Easier for you music, I think. This is how it gets richer, that he is with us eternally forever. He has made his home in our heart, but he wants us to know that he's loving Father. Why don't you just say, if you're able... Hello, Father. Thank you that you live in me. Thank you that you're never going to leave me. He's not an occasional God. He is not an abstract, distant deity. You are not just part of the 2.2 billion souls that he cannot see. But he says, you're my son. You're my daughter. He is always with us as loving, perfect, kind, compassionate, good daddy. He's a good father. And it takes me a lot to say this. 
Because this is what he wants me to know him as more and more and more. And I know this is a reality for hundreds of you here, if not all of us. He wants you to know him as daddy. Not some abstract deity. Not some abstract force or it, but up close and personal. He wants to come and begin to touch your face. He wants to come and begin to mold your heart again. He wants to come and begin to kiss you on the face. He wants to embrace you. You We had this word at the prayer meeting this morning, Angelica, beautiful word, about God saying, come and climb up onto my lap. And then I had this thought, I love it when my kids come and sit on my lap, but I cannot leave them alone. I cannot help but mess with them. When my little girl and my little boy sit on my lap, I tickle them like crazy. Now, I wasn't building up for this point, so we all feel a tickle from God. What I'm trying to say is, he's more close than you could ever imagine. He loves you deeper than you can ever imagine. And he wants you to feel his embrace. If some of you need a tickle, then he'll tickle you. Because you need joy. If some of you need warmth, then you're going to experience his deep and lasting peace. But I want you to picture yourself climbing up onto his lap this morning. And saying, as I come to you, I thank you that the reality is that you've already come to me. And you've made your home with me. You see, when we live with the mentality of habitation, the God of all creation, the God of the whole universe, that is now my Father, lives in me, man, this changes everything. It makes us excited, doesn't it? It gives us expectation within our hearts. I invite you to stand with me. This is why we have expectation that my amazing father might do anything. He's the one that threw stars into space. He's the one that created us. So he is the one that might just possibly do anything. People might get saved here this morning. What do I mean by that? Is that you might experience the saving mercy of Jesus Christ. Your guilt and shame being washed away. Forgiveness for all of your sin. And peace with God. But he'll do that. Some of you might get healed this morning. Mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Some of you might begin now to experience deep waves of love. Others peace, others joy. What do you need? I want to ask you the question, what is it that you need? Is it freedom? Is it joy? Is it compassion? Is it forgiveness? Is it healing? Because the God of all creation has made his habitation with us. Right now, if you're carrying around guilt and shame, I want you to know that Jesus Christ took it to the cross. If you are carrying guilt and shame, Jesus Christ carried it on his shoulders and it was nailed to the cross. 
Maybe you're here with a broken heart. He is the one that can bind up the brokenhearted. He is the one that can give you a brand new heart. As we begin to worship now, let's look to him. Let's look to him, this good father, the one whose love came down. And then we'll just see what he wants to do with us. He is always with us. He is always with us. Thank you, Father.